Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Jason Economou. I am the Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. And today I am joined by Councilmember Kelly King, and she is also running for mayor. Councilmember King, thank you so much for joining us. Aloha, and thank you so much to you. Um, just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your campaign and yourself and why you're running? Okay, well, myself first, and I, I'll just, so for those of you who don't know me, I've been on uh, Maui for 40 plus years, um, actually more closer to 45 because my husband and I will be celebrating our 39th anniversary this year, a wedding anniversary. And, uh, you know, we, I have two kids born and raised on Maui, graduated from Maui High School and both uh, received their master's degrees from UH Manoa. So um, very thrilled to have that educational experience here in the islands. I've also been involved since my first child, firstborn, my daughter Jenna was one year old. I've been involved in the community from taking her to playgroup and then taking over playgroup at that time, building playgrounds in Kihei and Kula and PTA mom, you know, just anything to make the world a better place for our children. I've been, I was involved in the whole time they were in school and actually ended up uh, running for the Board of Education on the urging of some fellow parents won that seat against the only incumbent we've ever had on the Board of Education um, for the, the County of Maui. Um, so I served four years on the State Board of Education and I was able to really bring local governance to schools. I was a huge supporter of school community-based management, which we have implemented. And then I served on the school community-based management committee uh, at Maui High School. So I've been pretty much walking the talk on the policies I've been pushing. Um, and then from there, you know, after that, after my daughter turned 13, I decided not to do that again, because you really need to be at home when your kids are in their early teens. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer of you got to raise your kids at that age. And I just wasn't home enough when I was on the board. Everything was happening on Oahu. Uh, so I spent uh, those years focusing on school issues and, you know, the, for my my younger son and my daughter. And then um, a uh, about six, seven years ago, I was urged by my community again to run for the uh, county council, which is not something I ever thought I would do. But we, I saw real needs here and I saw real uh, problems that hadn't been uh, addressed and, and folks who were trying to get involved who weren't able to get involved at that time because of um, lack of response. And so I ran for the county council and I beat a four term incumbent on that race. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I told folks I, I would do this for probably three terms, which I'm in my third term now. So um, as I decided to kind of matriculate out of this position, I was actually talked into running for the state house. But then a couple of days before the deadline for filing, uh, a committee of about 35 people came to me and just begged me to run for mayor because they really, I, we, one of the things we don't have besides a strong woman running for mayor, you know, um, not, and I, and I don't want to discount the other two women who are running, but, but someone who's, who's had experience in county government and state government. Um, I think we had, we didn't really have, we've never had uh, in my recent memory, a, an environmental mayor, a climate, and now, of, of course, it's important to have a climate mayor. I've been working with a lot of climate mayors around the country in my work with Equally USA. So I've been, since I've, I've been on the council and started chairing the Climate Action, Resilience, and Environment Committee, I've been asked to join the board of ICLA USA, which is a global organization, and I'm on the USA board, 
that works with cities and counties on environmental initiatives. I've also been appointed by the federal government to the local government advisory committee for the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. So I've been really closely following some of the things we can do to access more money from the EPA through that avenue. But it's just it's just led to a lot of opportunities to um, bring Maui into the global conversation on climate and environment. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and, and also, I think the other thing is we there was a realization from the community that we need somebody who has the experience of um, not just county government and state government, but also business and uh, parenthood and you know just being directly involved in some of the environmental issues like in the renewable energy, which is the company my husband and I run. So we, we founded Pacific Biodiesel back in 1995 to take all your French fry oil and turn it into something good <laughs> besides the pounds that you might've gained. Um, but we we've um, you know we've been innovative. We we're, we're risk takers, obviously, because we put everything we had um, into that business because it was just so valuable to the future of not just renewable energy and climate change, but proving out the circular economy, which is something everyone's talking about now. You know, keeping the economy local and community based. So I'm really proud of all those uh, efforts we made to keep this company local and community based in the face of some of the uh, corporate global um, influences that have tried to take over our industry. Um, and then so fast forward to today, um, I let myself be talked into running for mayor, like I did the council. And you know, I, I think you and I've worked closely enough together that you, you realize how hard I've worked as a council member and some of the, and it's been a labor of love. I would never take a job that I couldn't do. And so I, I would never have even thought about running for mayor had I not been on the council for three terms, because now I understand how the government process works. I understand what's not working and I understand how to change it. You know, I've been able to get some things done with affordable housing and economic diversity and, of course, a lot of environmental initiatives. But I think we need to move faster. We have limited time in the next eight years to fix a lot of things to prepare for climate change. And I'm doing this not just for my own children, but I'm doing this for all of the children of Maui and for our future generations. Because one thing that happens when you when you spend a lot of time in education, especially the PTA, you know, you, you just you just realize that the next generation has to be important to all of us, whether or not we have children, whether or not there are children. All of this is part of our future community and it's health and it's safety. Um, it's environmental economic prosperity. So that's that's why I'm running. Um, I saw that I saw the opportunity to um, make some major changes to bring more transparency, accountability, and collaboration. And um, honestly, I think we are running out of time to make that switch. You leave a lot of room for follow-up questions, and generally, I would I would ask a lot of questions because that last little comment um, that we're running out of time for a switch, ooh, that just begs to to go deeper. But we're keeping these short, and um, <laughs> and we're going to stick with with the same set of questions. And and the next question really is, um, you know, as you know, the Realtors Association of Maui is the largest trade association in Maui County. Uh, we represent roughly 2,000 realtor members, as well as about 100 affiliate companies. And, you know, by extension, we also consider the interests of their employees, their family members. And, and with all of that in mind, 
why is it that the RAM community should support you? Well, I think we have a history of working together, um, myself and RAM. Uh, I certainly have been, um, I've met with uh, the Realtors Association anytime I've been asked, and we're, I think we're meeting our, our schedule right now is probably quarterly, something like that. Um, but I've, I've also, because I, of my background of collaboration, um, I've been real open about how, you know, times we've agreed, times we've not agreed. I've brought um, legislation to you folks to review before, you know, when something controversial was coming up, as I do with a lot of other groups, too. So, um, I, my philosophy is that everybody needs to be at the table. Everybody needs to be involved. Um, but there are, uh, that being said, there are experts in different fields. So you folks have a lot of expertise. You've brought, um, when, whenever I've met with you, you've brought a lot of facts and figures and reports um, to the table. So we're starting from a database every time I meet with you folks, which I really appreciate. Um, I'm, you know, grounded in science and data whenever possible. So I think that's really important. Uh, but I, I, I think it's also um, important as we go forward to understand that, uh, and I have this understanding of what you folks are, is that there's a lot of diversity in RAM. Um, just because, and, and there's a lot of um, mis-generalizations um, you know, that everybody who's a realtor just wants to develop the heck out of the island. And, you know, the last, when I, when I met with you folks for the interview, um, one of the things that I was asked by one of the committee members was about over tourism, you know, and so I think there's a great understanding because we all live here. We all have families here. We raise our families here. There, I'm, I don't think anybody in the Realtors Association of Maui is, um, doesn't, you know, is a, is a full-time resident of the mainland or somewhere else. So um, the families, I think all of your, your constituents are people who actually live here. So they're not just about making money. They're not just about developing or having an inventory of housing. They're also, they also live and work and play here and they want a future for their children. So that's what I'm representing that part of it, along with, you know, being able to work collaboratively so that we have a good understanding of either why I'm going in a different direction or why we should go together in the same direction. Excellent. You know, as you've met with us so many times, um, you know, the, the one issue that we're most passionate about is housing, um, housing affordability, but also access to housing and attainability of housing. Um, we have a massive housing deficit um, in, in pretty much every category, maybe barring luxury, but, but especially in the affordable and workforce housing levels. Um, what do you think are the causes of, of this massive uh, deficit that we have? And what are the policy solutions in order to, to solve this, this housing crisis? Well, from my point of view as a constituent, before I even got involved in county government, the biggest problem was developers who, um, you know, work in their drawing rooms and develop and create um, projects on a drawing board and then bring them to a community and say, this is what we're going to do to your community. And we're here to convince you that it's a good idea. The communication has to be open and two way. And so what I've been doing, and, and that's what's that, what that's led to over the previous 25 years before I got into office was uh, pro big projects that had potential to have affordable housing, but just getting tremendous pushback from the community because they were not a part of shepherding these projects in. Well, they have 670 is a great example. You know, they weren't, we, we were not given as a community a chance to comment on it 
uh, or or uh, for input on changes that would make it more palatable. Um, it's just before up until I got into office, South Maui has been, you know, a developer's playing field, and basically, you know, you can influence the decision makers in other ways that don't involve communicating with the um, with the community associations or the neighborhoods or uh, any of the stakeholders. So when I that was my attitude when I came in and when I started working with developers and meeting with them, the first thing I did was ask them to meet with the Kihei Community Association or if it's closer to Wailea, Wailea Community Association or Ma'alaya. And I've been working with all the folks in these associations. So the ones that did and the ones that said, okay, you know, you, you offered some changes, we're gonna make those changes, got 100% support from the community. And we starting with Kaiwahine Village. That was the first one that I um, shepherded in. And I, I actually made some calls to find out that the the project had been declared bankrupt, the affordable housing project. And I found um, Mr. Doug Bigley, who was trying to buy it, uh, asked him to meet with me, to come to Maui to meet with me. And I and I told him, you know, I, I want to support, because he was, his vision was uh, affordable rentals, which is exactly what everybody was screaming for when I got elected. I would go to forums and there'd be signs saying, we need affordable rentals now. And you remember, Jason, probably from your your younger years, when we were younger, we were able to rent a place, a cottage or a room for really reasonable. I mean, I th the first rental, um, I and of course this was like 40 years ago, but you know, we could get a three bedroom house for $500 a month for rentals. I mean, today it would be 5,000. So, you know, when I, when he said he was going to do rentals, um, you know, I was really excited. He actually said to me, do you really want this project? Because Maui has the worst reputation for being able to get projects through. And I said, yes, I do. And yes, my community does, and I will help you. So that was in 20, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, that project opened in 2020 um, with 118 units, starting at $511 a month for a two bedroom apartment. So to me, that's like the epitome of appropriate, uh, truly affordable and community supported um, housing. So since that project, um, he has another project, a similar project in Kihei. He's got two up in Lahaina. Uh, we've brought in four other projects, a couple of rentals with at the downtown in Haleliloa, which is for seniors, and a couple of uh, affordable housing um, for sale projects. This one in Hale Kaiola, which is maybe four or five blocks from where I live, is uh, duplexes that are starting at 395,000. And that's a, that's the lowest I've seen anywhere, you know. And that was a developer I worked with, and you know I, I've known him for a while. And I said, please give us give us a lower rate. You know, we thought we would get it down below three hundred thousand. That was before the pandemic. And then when the prices shot up for materials and for shipping, they just couldn't do it that low. So they started at three ninety five, which is still I think the cheapest workforce housing you'll probably see on the island. But this is with working together, talking to the developers, having them talk to the community. Um, the 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 KCA the Key Community Association has come to every meeting on these projects wearing their black shirts that say we support affordable housing and you know giving their full endorsement and I I really believe that that probably shaves a minimum of two years off these projects when you get the full support and you don't get pushback and people suing you and you know uh, making sure that you you know distrusting you making sure that you haven't skipped over the the you know the ship D requirements the historic preservation um, delineation project or process um, and and that's why we have these projects and the next one's going to 
um, you know, the Hale Kaiola already went through their lottery. So those we've identified the folks for those homes and the application process is going to be starting up very soon for the project that's up above the golf course, which is the second rental project for Doug Bigley. The, um, the thing that really almost brought me to tears when I went to the blessing was the fact that these are above the golf course with ocean view um, apartments and they're going to be for the 60% and lower AMI category. So we're finally getting past that, what I was told when I first got on the council and I suggested that the Maui Lani lots be used. Um, you know, let's put an RFP out, let's put affordable housing. And I was kind of slapped on the wrist and told, that's too valuable land. We don't want to put affordable housing there. And I said, well, what's the value? Why are we valuing people based on their income? You know, that shouldn't be the, the measure of a person's value. So when I saw this project where we're finally getting over that and, you know, we're willing to give, create uh, affordable housing for the lowest income people and make it uh, ocean view. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I was so, I was just so happy about that. I think that's a, a sign of how we're moving forward in the community that we're realizing that, that helping people get housing is beneficial. Subsidizing the bus is beneficial. Uh, you know, the, the parks and the facilities are beneficial. And I don't want us to get to a point where everything costs money for local people to do. I don't want to get to a point where we have to pay to go swimming in our own pools or to play in our own parks. You know, I'm okay with the tourists paying a fee for those things, but uh, we pay our taxes and that's what we pay for. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, and you, um, you, touched on the issue of tourism right at right at the end there and that's a good segue into the next question which you know as you pointed out we've all been a bit concerned about over tourism lately um this this was an issue that a lot of people keep on forgetting was an issue before covid ever happened right um that was it was the main topic of conversation just before covid and and then covid was a, a stark reminder um, as to why we were discussing it. And, and now people are concerned about over-tourism. Um, one of the obvious things to, to discuss, uh, since tourism is our main industry, is economic diversification. Now, what are your thoughts on, on moving forward with economic diversification? And what kind of policies would you propose or support as mayor to help enable economic diversification in Maui County? Well, that's such a great topic, and um, and I don't know if you know, but I've been one of the champions of economic diversification because I don't believe that we can we can create a moratorium on on tourism, which I would like to do without economic diversification because the moratorium did not eliminate any current jobs, but it will eliminate future jobs. And as we grow, we need jobs and careers for our our next generation. Where that's really important to diversify away from tourism is where we can create family wage earning jobs and career pathways, because that's a, one of the reasons we're losing our next generation. It's not just a lack of affordable housing, but it's, you know, you go and get a degree either here at UH or on the mainland, you come back and how do you, how do you transfer that degree into a high paying job? There aren't that many opportunities here on Maui. So, you know, getting into, you know, diversifying into technology, um, some of the shortages that we have in the healthcare industry, education, of course, higher education, um, uh, film industry and the arts and things that, you know, my, my own son uh, got his master's in bioengineering and he's, he's an avid believer in being able to extend human mortality, that we should be able to live longer than, you know, the average of 100 years or whatever it is now. 
And, you know, where do you go get a job in that kind of research on Maui? So he's on the West Coast, and he's actually the head of research at Foresight Institute um, for this issue. But those are the opportunities we need to create for our kids here. We have this great program in STEM with ME, through MEDB where our kids are showing genius level activity and, and accomplishments in the field of robotics. But there's no place for them to get a job or a career on Maui in robotics. So we have to create those opportunities. We, right? So what I've done for this current budget session is I proposed a, an implementation, a comprehensive implementation plan for diversifying the economy, kind of like what we did for affordable housing. You know, we have this plan and we're going through it and trying to enact the uh, policy suggestions that will help us move quicker into affordable housing. But we need to do the same thing for diversifying our economy. And first of all, the first part of that is stakeholder input so we can figure out what sectors the community wants to, you know, wants to see successful first. And what are our priorities as far as sectors that are not tourism? And that'll be the first part of um, this this uh, plan that will will um, you'll start seeing action on is uh, is forums and stakeholder meetings. Uh, but my I'm very excited about it because I I run into I you know I'm trying to put together a youth council right now, and so we're talking to all kinds of youth who are concerned about climate change, who are concerned about our environment, who are concerned about our economy, who um, don't necessarily see a future for themselves here. And I know we all want that for our kids. We want them to stay here. We want them to be successful. We want, and and the other part of the diversifying is creating a circular economy, where we can support businesses and um, and sectors that return. You know, we'll, use, we'll take our waste, what we used to call waste products, um, our byproducts from agriculture or even the landfill or, you know, the the things that we normally would throw away and um, and return them through goods and services to the community and keep the revenue here in the community, create jobs here in the community. And we, we're starting to do that with agriculture. Um, I'm, I'm That's another thing I'm really excited about because in my first term on the council, I was trying to push for less funding in tourism and to push that funding into agriculture. And of course I was in the minority in my first term, so I, I didn't get very much through. But, you know, the very next term when we got some progressives on board, we were able to start funding agriculture to make it tr a truly, you know, I think that's going to be our biggest focus on diversifying the economy is, is going to be first through agriculture. Because through agriculture, we can create food, fuel, we can create, you know, products for our, our bodies, you know, like I, we we're creating a, a beauty oil. And uh, and we can, we can also, um, there's a lot of ornamental types of agriculture that are part of uh, traditional culture that we can continue on. Um, and, and, you know, we should not be buying, we should not be buying, um, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of orchids from Thailand. You know, every time you go to a meeting where you get one of those orchid lays, it probably came from Taiwan or Thailand, but those don't come from here. Um, so those are the things that we need to be doing by ourselves, for ourselves, and you know, be be um, keeping that revenue here. Um, and there's a lot of that, um, not just food and ornamentals, but there's a lot of other opportunity for creating goods and services here that local folks can use, where you can have a successful business or you can create a lot of um, you know really interesting, um, high-paying family wage earning jobs. Excellent. Um... Beyond just the, the concern over over tourism, I want to ask you about one of your major job functions if you are to be elected mayor. 
Um, it's actually one of your major job functions even now as a council member, which is the budget. The budget is massive. It takes a long time to get through. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize it, but that's kind of what local government spends uh, a remarkable amount of time, the single issue, sort of. Um, what would your approach be to the budget? How would your your policy goals um, and and um, just priorities really differ from your predecessors in any way? Well, I'm so glad you asked me that because that's one of the most exciting things to me about um, being in the administration and leading the administration in budget is from my point of view, and this is why it's important to have the background on the council, because you can kind of see the things that were working or weren't working. There was no collaboration on the budget between the council and the mayor before we got the mayor's budget, and that needs to change. Uh, I, I, I'm fairly confident I can shave down that two-month process down to two weeks by working directly with the council on the mayor's budget you know, aligning our, our policies around what we should be aligning them around. You know, in this, I'm going to show you this document because a lot of people don't even know about the countywide policy plan. It looks like this, and it's been in our county ordinance since 2010. And in this document, there's a page that talks about our shared principles, and there's a page that talks about our shared objectives. So it's not rocket science to create the principles. This was done with thousands of man hours back in, you know, for over, over four or five years. And it was adopted in 2010 to take us through the year 2030. Um, there's in all the subject, the topics I've been talking about are in here. So working with the council um, closely, I think we should be doing, you know, it's always been traditional that the mayor's done a series of budget um, of uh, budget meetings in the different communities, and then the council goes and does that. Why should we not do that together? We can save twice. We can we can save half the time on doing it together, and then we all hear the same thing at the same time. So there's no denying what the community wants. Um, but working with the um, letting the departments talk to the council before the mayor's budget comes out, I think would be very productive. What the last six years, every year. Whenever we've asked the departments and we bring them up for review before we get the budget, but they're told not to talk about their future desires for the next year. So we can only talk about the previous year and how well they did and if they met their goals or not. But, you know, as a council member, I want to hear what those departments have their goals for the next year. I want to, I want to hear the excitement and ambition and we don't get to, we don't get to have that discussion. So my administration would be much more open. Um, one of the other simple things is that, you know, you can't meet with the mayor with your staff. You know, your staff gets a hand at the door. No, I'm sorry. We're only meeting with the council member. Um, I don't understand that. I don't understand the reason for that. So, you know, I have no fear. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody, as you know, and I'm very open. So I don't understand why that has to be. And I think it's very destructive to the idea of collaboration. So you won't see that kind of, in fact, I, one of my, my things I'd like to do is keep a log in the mayor's desk, uh, in the mayor's office, and just keep a log of everybody I'm meeting with on a daily basis and put out a, a weekly a weekly uh, public log. Here are the people I've met with over the past week. That's a great answer. This is, this is why I love talking to incumbents so much, because you, you kind of have, you have the knowledge from, from the hands-on experience. So, so that just goes to show the value of experience. Um, now, to wrap up, I want to ask you kind of a few fun kind of get to know you questions. These these are sort of rapid response. Don't worry, don't sweat it. They're they're pretty easy. 
Um, okay. We'll start off with an easy one. Um, what is a book that you love? Or an author? Uh, either book or author or both? I think my favorite book of all time was To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, you know, just the, the when you're a young child, especially reading that book and getting that sense of right or wrong, you know, right versus wrong. I still, that's still an age old um, story to me. What is a song that you always have to leave on if it comes on the radio? Oh, wow. There's so many. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, um, I love that Somewhere Over the Rainbow, you know, and I really love the fact that we had um, Is, you know, who did that song. And we have uh, local artists who have made that song their own. Great answer. What was your high school mascot? Let me, I don't even know. You know, we were called the Royals. I went to okay. high school in Santa Barbara um, in California. And we had, um, we didn't have a, a live, you know, mascot that would come on the field. Uh, but I was on the school newspaper. And so we had this mascot called Little Toot. And it was one of those um, old gesture. It looked like a gesture with, a, you know, the horn. And it was the little figure that would come out in a lot of those, you know, commercials about, you know, courts and kings and queens and toot the horn and, you know, say, hear ye, hear ye. And so our mascot for the paper was called Little Toot. And that was a, you know, like a, a silhouette of that kind of a figure on our masthead for our, our newspaper. And, you know, ironically, our newspaper was called the King's Page because we were the royals. So, you know, who knew I was going to grow up and be a king? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A good play on your last name. I, I really like the the court jester as the the mascot. My high school, we were the pioneers, and we also didn't have like a mascot that came out. And then they tried to make some kid run around with like a, a raccoon skin cap. Um, it was it was a little anticlimactic, but um, they try. High schools try. Um, are you a homeowner? Yes, I am, and we've been in the same home for uh, about thirty six years now, maybe thirty seven. Um, and we um, we actually bought our this home on an affordable through an affordable housing uh, project a federal pro uh, program. So we we um, it was called the farmer home loan deal, and it was everybody was doing it back in the eighties. And so you could get um, you had to find a piece of property that you could buy and put a house on for less than a hundred thousand. And um, you know it was easier way back then. It was I mean inflation has been phenomenal since then. But, uh, you know, you can only, we were only allowed to build a, um, I think it was 7,900 square foot home at the, at the largest, I'm not 7,000, 790 square foot home and at the largest. So it was a very small two bedroom home. And after three years, we were, the subsidy, the, the interest back then was around 13 or 14%. And so the subsidy was bought it down to 1%. And actually it was for us, you know, as a young couple, who um, wasn't, wasn't, my husband was a, a diesel mechanic and so he had his own business. Um, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't super wealthy. We were making a living um, kind of barely, you know, as young kids. Um, so when we got into this program after about three years, we had to build onto the house because I got pregnant with my second child. And so we needed um, more space. And we, and because it was, had only been three years, we, we didn't stay in it 10 years. So we had to pay back all the subsidies. So we went and, and, um, you know, got a, a second mortgage or mortgage on our home and uh, paid back out of the equity. And so we're still here today. It, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to have been 
well, it's an amazing thing to be together long enough to have a house for 35 years with your spouse, but it's also an amazing thing to just be in the same um, space and, and understand how valuable these projects, these programs are, because we were, we were young and, and didn't have many resources. We had no rich relatives. You know, we didn't have people we could go to to give us money. And so before to be able to get into this house and, and show that, you know, yeah, we're still here. It was, it was a good investment. And it was an investment that we paid back. Excellent. Um, and, and with that, you know, uh, I'll just say thank you for your time. Um, and thank you for, for sharing all your thoughts and ideas with us. And um, what's your website for, for your campaign? My website is www.kellyking4maui. It's K-E-L-L-Y-K-I-N-G-F-O-R, not the number four, M-A-U-I.com. Excellent. And I'll I'll also put that in the notes on on this, and I'll put a link with the interview, okay, um, so great. so that people can reach that. And um, yeah, just last ten seconds, say whatever you want to say and say goodbye. Okay, we need we need experience. I think we need compassion and collaboration in the mayor's office, and we need a woman in the mayor's office. This is a really precarious time, so I hope folks will consider me Kelly Takaya King for mayor. I so love these interviews. It's just always great to talk to you, Jason. So thank you so much. And mahalo nui for everybody out there who's listening as well. Thank you, Council Member. Have a good afternoon. All right, you too. Aloha.